Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. Today, I have my princesses with me. There's Bethany DeBrew Adams. Welcome, Bethany. Hi, Heather. It's good to be back. Yes. And then we also have Kirsten, who is our cardiac nurse in the Carignan Center. Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you. Wonderful to be back talking with you again. Yeah, so today our topic is all about strokes. We are going to talk about the types of strokes, signs and symptoms you need to be aware of, as well as unique risk factors for women, and also why minority women need to pay special attention to this topic. We also thought strokes would be a very timely topic due to COVID-19 or coronavirus. One phenomenon that doctors are seeing um, with some younger people, and these would be people ages like 30 to 50. I'm happy to hear I'm still in that younger age group. I was was thinking the same thing. I didn't think I'd be included in that, but (laughs) so people ages 30 to 50 that are presenting with COVID-19, they're also, they're seeing an increased risk of severe strokes, which you normally would not see with that age group. And many of these people didn't experience the more common COVID-19 symptoms. So they didn't have a cough, no shortness of breath or fever. They also did not have the traditional risk factors for strokes. We're going to talk about those in a little bit, but things like diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease. These strokes occurred in the large blood vessels of the brain, which can cause severe permanent disability, including speech, movement, and walking difficulties. Yikes. So I'm sure people are wondering, you know, why does this matter? Aside from all of what you just said, Heather, um, because those are some pretty big red flags and issues right there. But it's a critical reminder for everybody that strokes can happen to anyone. So consider this, one in five women will have a stroke at some point in her life, and four out of five of those strokes are actually preventable. So we're learning more each day about how to prevent COVID-19. So we figured it's also a good time to refresh Marie about what strokes are, what they look like, and how to prevent them. So I don't know if people know this, but there are different types of stroke. We tend to sometimes think of strokes only one way, but Kirsten, can you talk a little bit about the different types of stroke? Sure. The most common kind of stroke is called an ischemic stroke, um, and actually that accounts for about 87% uh, of all strokes. When this happens, an ischemic stroke um, is when a blood vessel becomes blocked. Uh, Usually that's with a blood clot. And then the portion of the brain um, that is not getting oxygen becomes deprived and will stop functioning. So that's an ischemic stroke. The other kind of common stroke is hemorrhagic. And a hemorrhagic stroke is when an artery in the brain, um, and it's usually a main artery, uh, leaks blood um, or actually ruptures. And then when this blood is rupturing, the leaked blood puts too much pressure on the rest of the brain and actually on the brain cells and damages them. So this is very commonly associated with uncontrolled high blood pressure, or it can be a weakening in the wall of the blood vessel called an aneurysm. So those are the two main types of stroke. And 
I have a little bit of personal experience um, when it comes to hemorrhagic stroke. There's actually two different kinds. One is called intracerebral, which is the most common type of a hemorrhagic stroke. So that's like you were saying, it occurs when an artery in your brain bursts and it floods the surrounding tissue with blood. But um, the subarachnoid less common hemorrhagic stroke. And my husband actually suffered one of those about five years ago when he was 39 years old. And you were mentioning that uncontrolled high blood pressure is a large cause of hemorrhagic strokes. And that was kind of what it was in his case. He had high blood pressure. He was on medication. He wasn't always the best about taking it when he should. I mean, he He took it, but he wasn't consistent, I would say. And at the time he was working as a machinist and he was, you know, working to complete a big order. He was working 12 hour days. He was under a lot of stress. And one day he's taking a shower and he comes out and he says he has a really terrible headache. Fast forward about 18 hours. And after thinking he just had a really bad migraine, and getting a CT to just check and make sure that that's all it was, we found out that he had bleeding in his brain and he was whisked to um, the hospital where the Carignan Center is, Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center. And he had um, the first of several surgeries to attempt to coil the uh, hemorrhage, which they ended up not doing because weirdly enough, it stopped itself from bleeding. So there was nothing to really coil (laughs) at the time. But he did end up spending a lovely eight days in the neuro ICU over the 4th of July, um, 2015. So yeah, it was scary. And it was quite the story. (laughs) It was abrupt. And yeah, I would like to not repeat it. And I certainly don't want any of our listeners to ever have to go through anything like that. Yes. So. And how old how old was Ray at the time again, Bethany? He was 39. Yeah, Ooh. he was about 39 and a half. So okay. wasn't even 40 years old yet. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. He's so happy I'm talking about that, but <laughs> sure he is. <laughs> he wants he wants everybody to know the dangers. So I did get his permission. (laughs) Okay, wonderful. Now, there's also another type of stroke um, that people can have. um, And we've had people come in in the Carignan Center with this. And a lot of people know them as TIAs or mini strokes, but they're called transient ischemic attacks. Kirsten, can you share with our listeners what those are? Yeah, um, that's a really good point. A lot of people aren't sure if this is actually a stroke or not, but yes, it's called a mini stroke. And it's different from a major stroke because the blood flow that's going to the brain is blocked, but only for a short amount of time. Usually they say no more than five minutes. Um, It's most often caused by blood clots. So it's still something that we want to take very seriously. When we look at the data that we have on this, about more than one-third of the people who have a TIA or a mini-stroke actually don't get treatment. And then they uh, go on to have a major stroke um, within about 12 months of that first-time TIA happening. So um, I don't want to minimize it at all. So if people have any of these symptoms or have something that they feel like is a mini uh, situation, really important to get that checked out. So Yeah, as many of as 10 to 15% of 
people will have a major stroke within three months of having that TIA. So it's not something wow. to be done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Need to seek treatment yeah, right really away. We need, yeah. yeah. Really, we need to consider those TIAs or mini strokes as like a major warning, right? Because they could eventually lead to strokes, like yeah. a major stroke. Yep. And actually not even eventually in a short amount of time for most folks, like I said, about within three months, they can have a major stroke. Right, right. So before we go into talking about risk factors from strokes, you may have heard um, some noises in the background. We've discovered there's a slight squeaky noise in the background. We've learned those are Kirsten's birds. So they're just trying to, you know, chip into the conversation here. Give their two cents. You may occasionally hear dogs too. Bethany and I both have dogs at home, so we apologize if there's a little bit of background noise there. <laughs> All right, the dangers so, of recording from home, right? <laughs> exactly. Everybody's doing you know remote recording now. So. All right. So we've talked about the different kinds of strokes. Next, let's kind of go into the different risk factors for stroke. So a lot of the risk factors are similar to those for heart disease, things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, having diabetes, smoking, and little exercise. And these are all risk factors for both heart disease and stroke because both of them affect blood vessels. So Bethany, can you go into some of these risk factors? Sure. Um, The important thing to remember, if you take nothing else away here, is that high blood pressure is the main risk factor for stroke. One in three women out there have stage two hypertension, and only about half of those women have it under control. So this is why we keep telling you to know your numbers, speak to your doctor, if you, you know, if you're concerned, if you want to learn more about high blood pressure and how it affects your heart, we did a podcast just a few weeks ago, um, you and Kirsten did. So -hmm. you can go back and listen to that on any of our channels. It's also important to notice that women, of course, also have several unique risk factors to them. Um, The first of which is high blood pressure during any pregnancy. And pregnancy is considered nature's stress test. So Kirsten, can you speak a little bit about how high blood pressure during pregnancy can come back? Sure. There's a lot coming out in the literature about this, but many times we find that when women are pregnant, they do have escalating blood pressures and they often will return to normal post-pregnancy. And many times women don't really uh, follow up on that. We know now that if you do have high blood pressure during pregnancy, you would want to be very vigilant about continuing to have your blood pressure monitored and make sure that you're taking those steps that we've talked about to make sure it stays under control. Okay. We also need to mention there the use of certain types of birth control, especially if the woman also smokes while she's taking the birth control. Um, there's been many throughout the years that have been taken off the market and things like that because of blood clots. So it's, it's important to look into what birth control you're using. Um, women have higher rates of depression and anxiety, which can also impact stre- stress and stroke. And risk increases with age. And generally, women live longer than men. Be that good, I guess. <laughs> hey, we have something positive yeah, in our favor. Yeah. Um, so obviously, the longer you live, the higher your risk is probably going to be. And also, minority women we need to speak to them because they are at a higher risk for stroke than white women. Unfortunately, there isn't a ton of complete information on all minority groups. 
So we're touching on today the two largest minority groups that have been studied in this respect. So Heather, can you speak a little bit about what African-American women are dealing with? Yeah, absolutely. African-American women are more likely to have strokes than any other group of women in the U.S. They are also more likely to have them at younger ages and for the strokes to be more severe, unfortunately. That's not good. (laughs) No. um, Yeah, I mean, when we look at the statistics, African-American women are diagnosed with higher rates of high blood pressure. We talked before about how that's one of the major risk factors, right? So. Two in five African-American women have that. Um, Obesity is another um, risk factor. Nearly three in five African-American women have that. And then with diabetes, it's one in eight. And all of these increase stroke risk. And then there are three other reasons why um, African-American women may be at risk. Researchers think there may be a gene that makes African-Americans more sensitive to the effects of salt, which in turn increases the risk of developing high blood pressure. So African-Americans may have to be even more careful with salt and sodium than maybe other minorities. Yeah. Also, sickle cell disease, it's a genetic disorder that affects one in 360 65 black or African Americans can also lead to stroke. Oh boy. Yeah. And then the last one, one in seven African American women smoke. So, and we know smoking increases risk. Okay. And now you're speaking about African American women. Um, what about Hispanic women? Because strokes also affect those women at younger ages than non Hispanic white women. So, Yeah, you're correct. And about one in four Hispanic women have high blood pressure, and nearly half of them don't have it under control. Okay, so that's going to increase their risk for stroke. And then people with diabetes are at a higher risk for stroke, and more than one in nine Hispanic women have diabetes, including many who don't know they have it. Diabetes is also more common in people of Mexican and Puerto Rican ancestry. So they're a little more predisposed, right, to already having uh, type 2 diabetes. And then, you know, according to the statistics, they're at higher risk of developing that eventually. So that in turn increases their risk for stroke as well. So we've talked a lot about strokes, what increases our risk for having a stroke, how would someone know if they were having a stroke? Kirsten, can you talk about some of the signs and symptoms? Yeah, I'd be happy to. This is so important. Um, So they've come up with an acronym and the acronym is called BFAST. So each one of the letters will help us identify if someone might be having symptoms of a stroke. The B is for your balance. So any type of loss of coordination could be arms or legs. E is for the eyes, and we think about any kind of vision trouble, uh, blurry vision, double vision, anything like that. F is for your face. Um, Many times people will experience some type of a facial droop, so something to think about there. A is for arms, so a raised arm will drift downward. So you would ask the person to stick their arm out straight, and if they're not able to hold it there, it starts going downward. That can be a symptom. S is for speech, uh, which would be slurred or strange speech. Their words, they're getting their words mixed up or they're having word finding issues. And then the T has been associated with a couple of things. Terrible headache, a very sudden, severe type of headache. People describe it as the worst headache they've ever had. 
But also we want to think about time. So what I mean by time is notice if any of these symptoms have developed, try to make a mental note of what time that occurred. That would be super important for us to know if people are able to get certain treatments within a certain window of time. And then time is also a big indicator for us. If you think someone is having a stroke, you need to get to treatment fast. So we want to get people in front of healthcare professionals as soon as possible. Yeah. According to the American Heart Association, if you're having a stroke or someone you know is having a stroke, clot dissolving medication needs to be given within three hours after symptoms start for it to be most effective. So every minute really counts. The immediate treatment is going to prevent death, hopefully, and then minimize any long-term effects as well. So keep in mind, too, I love that you went through Be Fast and what all that means so people can be on the lookout, right? They know what to look for. But keep in mind that a person may have only one or two of those symptoms, right? It's not like you have to have all of them. Or, yeah, or they might be slightly different than what the acronym suggests, right? We've had some people come into the center, into the Karen Yon Center and share like, oh, they didn't have, you know, any of the things that were included in that acronym, but they just felt like something wasn't right. And thankfully, Mm -hmm. they took action. They were proactive and went in and got checked out and got the treatment they needed. Can I I interject um, again with my husband's experience? So yeah, he didn't have any of the symptoms aside from the terrible headache. And I mean, when he ended up in the ICU, I had one of his nurses tell me that she read his chart before she went into his room and thought, oh my gosh, this poor guy, you know, 39, he had this really random thing happened to him. He's probably in rough shape. And she walked in, he was sitting up smiling, talking at her, and she thought it was a joke that they were playing on her. So he didn't have Mm. any of those issues, which was really strange. And at the time, time was the main thing on the Be Fast that wasn't necessarily the terrible headache. I had heard of the terrible headache. I watched a lot of Oprah back then. (laughs) I had seen an Oprah special where she spoke to a neurologist who had had a similar stroke who talked about the terrible headache. And I have to say that even though I knew that, even though I was consciously thinking this is a problem, my husband kept saying, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll lay down. It'll be fine. Fortunately, he was fine. (laughs) But that's not what you want to do when somebody, when you think someone is having a stroke. So I'm here to tell you that a stroke is always, always an emergency. Like we just mentioned, getting in front of a healthcare professional for treatment is critical in order to minimize any effects you might have, any side effects, other issues that you're going to have, and to save your life. So call 911. Don't risk driving the person to the doctor. This is an emergency. This is a time that you would want to call an ambulance if possible, because if nothing else, you have paramedics in there who are trained how to mm-hmm. treat this person. Yeah, And I think this bears again, especially right now, because we've heard stories. Um, it's been in the news about people dying from strokes and from heart 
attacks and other things simply because they don't want to go to the emergency room. You know, they either are afraid of getting COVID or they're afraid of taking critical resources away from COVID patients. You know, any number of reasons. Don't let that be a deterrent, especially at, you know, our Advocate Aurora facilities have a safe care promise. They will take care of you. You will be safe. Don't deny yourself the help that you need as fast as you can get it. And don't be embarrassed if it's not a stroke. Nobody will judge you for it not being a stroke. It's better to be safe than sorry. That is so true. Very important words right there. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. So we've heard a lot about strokes today. What are really our big key takeaways, Kirsten? What can people really walk away with? Yeah, I think it's a great point to kind of circle around and focus on what we need to know. Knowing your blood pressure, we've mentioned it several times throughout this podcast, but knowing your blood pressure um, and managing it if it's high, that's what's important. We heard some statistics earlier about people having high blood pressure, but that it wasn't controlled. So if you do have high blood pressure, make sure you follow your provider's advice. If you are looking for other lifestyle changes that would be super important for preventing heart disease as well as strokes. Um, Again, a very similar pattern there. We want to make sure that we're maintaining an ideal body weight. We're limiting salt. We're eating lots of fruits and vegetables. So we're getting a lot of potassium in our diet. We want to be super active, try to be active often and make sure that you're just living that active lifestyle If you smoke, really take that as a priority to take those steps to start the process of quitting. That is going to be very, very important. And then lastly, I I think it's really important to mention that if you are having mental health issues, mental health is every bit as important as your physical health, and you want to seek treatment for that as well. Well, those are some great takeaways, Kirsten. Thank you. Well, that's it for today, everyone. Thanks for listening in. And as we always say, be the ruler of your own heart. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Queen of Hearts podcast. Our podcast is recorded here at the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, info, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.karenyantcenter.org, like us on Facebook at Karen Yant Center, and follow us on Pinterest. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our show and be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, ladies, be ruler of your own heart.